0: Pretty awesome thing to think about what we celebrate that God comes in flesh. We, I would guess that most of us know this story. We probably can recite it by heart. We've seen dramas and pageants and plays, we have sung songs. We've read the scriptures over and over and over again. And after a while, the things that are familiar can become a little bit dulled to us. And, and we miss out and we forget, we, we lose some of that, that energy and that joy and the excitement when you experience something the first time. We see this through children. And when children learn something for the first time, something we've known for years, it's exciting to watch them get excited. I, I remember reading years ago about a group of first graders who decided they wanted to put on their own Christmas program. And so they got together, they, you know, they wrote the thing, they put it together, they figured it all out. And when their parents and friends all gathered for this program, they looked up and there were the traditional, you know, there was, there was um, Joseph and there were the shepherds, you know, wearing their bathrobes and, and uh, the wise men were there. And, you know, all the people you would expect, except Mary wasn't there. And you could hear the people in the crowd saying, where's Mary? Didn't she show up? What's going on? And. All of a sudden, behind these bales of hay they'd stacked up, you, you could hear this moaning and groaning. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden, it dawned on people, Mary's having her baby. <laughs> Probably not as much screaming as they might have thought in real life. But she's back there, and, and next thing you know, here Joseph come, walks out, and he goes and he brings back in a guy dressed in a white coat with a stethoscope and and they go behind the bales of hay and after a few minutes the the uh, the, the guy in the white coat and the stethoscope comes out and he holds up this little doll and he says to the people it's a god <laughs> i was thinking about that story this week not just because it reminds us that children see things but It's kind of what John is saying, obviously in more sophisticated language. But it's really what John is telling us in the first chapter, this prologue of his gospel. This little baby is God. And I think we sometimes forget the implications of that. You think about the vulnerability of a baby. A little baby. You know, in the animal kingdom... As far as I know, every animal, when they have babies, within a very short amount of time, those babies are up on their feet and running, jumping, playing, and in many ways can probably survive on their own if they had to. How different a human baby. I mean, babies turn a year old, they still can't take care of themselves two years old, three years old. When I mean, we have laws that say until you're 16 years old, you really don't, we don't think you can take care of yourself. And the vulnerability of a little baby is, is amazing. You know, we heard the lovely sounds of little babies this morning. And sometimes people come to me and say, I'm so sorry, my baby was crying. It's okay. You know, it reminds us of life. And it reminds us on this day particularly and at this time that God became a little baby with all of the, the vulnerability of a little baby. He is susceptible to disease, injury, harm. Everything that we think of, that, that we worry about with a little baby, you have to hold him just right. And to imagine that this is the one, this little baby is the one who put the stars in the sky and separated the the waters so that there would be dry land and put the animals on the earth. That word in creation can't even speak a word. All he can do is cry. Cry. This is our God. And John says the word became flesh. And he dwelt among us. The word became flesh. Talk about dwelling among us and people translate that in a variety of ways he he took up residence with us he moved in with us he pitched his tent with us seems actually to be the most literal term he didn't just come for uh, uh, to sort of be here halfway he is fully in one of us paul says that to the rights of the philippians that though he was in very nature God, he put aside that. He refused to grasp it and took on human flesh and humbled himself. This is Jesus. It's hard for us to comprehend that. And there have been people through the centuries who have wrestled with the truth of who Jesus is, that he is fully God and fully human. Even in the first century, the, the, the group of people, the docetists they, they wrestled with this. And, and their conclusion was that God simply could not become a human being. It, it's impossible. It can't happen. God cannot make himself that vulnerable. It, it's, it's not right for God to, to do that. It, it's, it's belittling God. And so they said, God, Jesus that we saw, he was just a phantom. He was a figment of of people's imagination. It simply can't be real. The divine simply could not take on human flesh. And yet John tells us that's exactly what he did. And the reality is their concern about God taking on flesh and making God seem weak and vulnerable is right they're right and God chooses this decision God chooses to become weak and vulnerable and to take this risk and we ask why would God do that, why would God make that choice it's not something thrust upon him you know, I was thinking about this in terms of of the um, the superheroes that people write about, and you know, we watch movies and read books and things, and and, and I was just thinking about um, Batman and Spider Man and and Superman, and all three of these superheroes, and I suspect this fits most of the categories. You know. Um, Peter Parker becomes Spider Man because he's bit by a radioactive spider. He didn't choose to be Spider Man, and and Batman becomes Batman. Be uh, Bruce Wayne becomes Batman because of a tragedy about his parents, and he's trying to, to. It's out of that that he 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 feels this need to do something, and. Superman comes because his planet's being destroyed. and His parents want to save him. And we think about these great superheroes who do these great things. And sometimes people see in them messianic images. And there are some. But the difference is that Jesus comes because he chooses to be vulnerable. And he comes not so that people can know how powerful he is. He comes to identify with us. He comes to be one of us, to dwell with us, to communicate to us. Philip Yancey says that when he was a teenager, he got a little bit of an idea about understanding incarnation as he tried to maintain uh, an aquarium. he said he had this aquarium, he basically had a a little chemistry lab set up to take care of all the the fish that were in his aquarium. He said he was putting in all kinds of chemicals and drugs and and things, uh, monitoring the the pH balance and the nitrates and all the stuff and the water through tubes. And and he said he he spent hours and hours working on this aquarium to keep his fish alive. And he said you would think that at the very least they would be grateful for that. But he said, every time his shadow came over the, this, the tank, they ran for cover into the, under the, the nearest shell. So they only showed him one emotion, and that was fear. That's the only thing they could think about him. They didn't realize that every day when he came to feed them three times a day, they couldn't see he was trying to be good to them. All they could think about was fear. he said the only way to change that would be to become a fish. And I pondered that. Why would a human being become a fish? Is it to let the fish know, hey, I'm more powerful than you are and I don't think you understand that. And I want to make sure you understand that. Is it because he wants them to know, look, your existence is in my hands and I'm not sure you realize that. So I want to make sure you grasp it. no. The only reason to become a fish is to be able to communicate to the fish how important those fish are to this human being. That everything he is doing for them is because he cares about them and he's trying to help them live. And why does God become flesh? To remind us, to to help us understand that our existence is in his hands? Everything about our lives is, is, is in his control, that, that, that he is so much more powerful than us and we don't quite get that. No, it's because he wants us to know how much he cares for us. What's relationship with us? I don't think God would have to come and dwell among us in order to, to simply let us know how powerful he is. We read the Old Testament, it's pretty clear. He comes to dwell among us because we are afraid of him. Because like the fish, we dive for cover every time we see him coming near. Because in our sinful nature, in our warped understanding, we see God as someone to be afraid of. Instead of someone who loves us and who wants relationship with us. It's fascinating to me that back in the early centuries of the church, as as theologians were wrestling with the mystery of the incarnation, one of the questions that came up was this. If Adam and Eve had never sinned, would God have still sent Jesus? If human beings had never sinned, would Jesus have still been born? And what's fascinating to me is that a number of them said, yes, I think so. And their reasoning was this, because God loves us. Because God wants relationship with us. Because God wants us to know that and the only way he can truly know that is to dwell with us and to be with us. Now the reality is we don't know. We don't have any clear indication of that. But we do know the links to which God is willing to go to tell us he loves us. And to tell us he wants relationship with us. And to try and and get rid of our fears so that we might know his love for us. It's difficult for us to grasp that God, the Almighty God, would choose to become so vulnerable, to take such a risk. And of course, you can't have vulnerability without risk, and you can't really risk unless you're willing to be vulnerable. You think about any relationship in your life. If you're going to risk... You have to take steps of being vulnerable. And if you're going to say, I'm going to be vulnerable, it's going to involve some risk. And Jesus, Jesus takes that risk. And, and John tells us in verses 11 and 12 that when he comes, you'd think people would embrace him. But instead, they didn't receive him. They rejected him. They pushed him away and eventually led him to a cross. And yet, God is willing to be vulnerable and take that risk because He loves us, because He wants a relationship with us. And we are continually confronted with how we're going to respond to that truth. How do we respond to this vulnerable, risk taking God who loves us so much? he would take on flesh and blood the call of the word is to trust him to surrender to him to live lives of vulnerable risk taking ourselves to be so filled with the love of God that we believe taking risks for him being vulnerable for him is the best thing we can do we are modeling Christ. And that means in our, in our relationships, we take risky, vulnerable steps with each other. We offer forgiveness when we'd rather hold on to our pain. We, we love people that we just as soon avoid. We step out in faith with God when we'd really rather hold back and kind of see how things are going to develop first. And we think about that and say, I don't know if I can do it. And that's why we come to this table this morning. Because we do it as Christ is in us. As we understand the love of God, as we receive the love of God in Christ, he gives us the grace to be vulnerable, to take risks. I mean, at this table, we come face to face with Christ, who not only comes to this world as a vulnerable baby, but lives his whole life embracing weakness and vulnerability and risk taking that ultimately leads him to the cross and here we we receive his body and his blood and remind it and see once again what God is willing to do for relationship with us as you ponder your life, as you think about your, your sense of Christmas and the coming of Christ, and you see how willing God is to be vulnerable and to take risks for you and for me, can we individually and together Ask God to make us people who in the same Spirit, in His grace, take vulnerable, risk-taking steps in our lives with Him and with each other and with our whole world. Holy Father, We come today in awe of your willingness to be vulnerable, to take risks. Father, you created all things, you brought everything into being. And we come today to worship you, to thank you, to give glory to you and honor to you. And we come today to surrender ourselves anew through Christ. Father, we pray that you will send the power of your Holy Spirit on the bread and the cup of which we are about to partake. We pray that it will be food for our souls and that we will find in the bread and the cup a new sense of your love for us, of your desire for relationship with us, and the links to which you are willing to go to make that a reality. Let us come with hearts open to you. Through the grace of Christ Jesus. Amen.